This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. Now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Well, no, I'm not home. I'm actually, uh, I'm in Old Town. Uh, Very good to have you with me. Thank you so much, Parker. Appreciate the intro. You know, it's hard to believe that we're knocking on the door of the annual Michigan Blues Fest, which is held in Lansing, Michigan's Old Town District. But here it comes, September 13th through the 16th. It's sponsored by the Michigan Institute for Contemporary Arts, Message Makers, Urban Beat, the Capital Area Blues Society, and oh, so many more. My guest on this episode of Time Signatures is none other than the organizer of this annual event in the face of much of the Old Town festivities, uh, Mr. Terry Terry. Welcome to Time Signatures. Hey, glad to be here. Glad to be with you. Glad to have you here as well. How long has the Michigan Blues Fest been going on now? A long time. I don't even know what number this is. We... um... You know, we started our festivals. I'll just give you a little history. Sure. Uh, our first festival was called the Snake Rodeo way back uh, in the early 90s, I think. Okay. Uh, and then we started an Art in October Fest, and then we did our Jazz Fest in 95. And then we uh, stopped the October Fest and kind of transitioned into, with Cavs, um, the Michigan Blues Fest. So it was somewhere in the, I think, the late 90s, but I'm not sure. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was looking at the uh, at the lineup again. You guys always put on a really good show, and it's always a lot of fun. Um, you've got some strong local talent listed on here, as well as some other well-knowns from across the state of Michigan. Uh, Sherry Williams, uh, Gina Garner, James Reeser in the backseat drivers. And is it, I, I want to pronounce this right, is it Asamu Johnson? Yep. And uh, it's out the, of Grand, I think they're out of Grand Rapids, I believe. Grand Rapids or... Uh... Kalamazoo, I'm not sure. Yeah, and and I, I have yet to see them play. I know you've had them here. Oh, yeah, many times. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, to taking in their act as well. You're going to like them. And then we also have Lady Champagne featuring mm-hmm. uh, Omar Coleman out of Chicago. So Lady Champagne's a Detroit blues artist, uh, well-known there and won a lot of awards there. So, yeah, we've got a great lineup. It's going to be a good time. And... Uh, I love the draw to Old Town because it's so historically relevant uh, to the history of Lansing, and it's truly wonderful to see a revitalization that has taken place in this part of town. Well, you know, we started the festivals in part to trigger all that. You know, you know, Micah's mission, the producer of the event, the Michigan Institute for Contemporary Art, uh, has always been to serve as a catalyst for community transformation mm-hmm. by providing quality arts programming like Blues Fest, Michigan Blues Fest, Jazz Fest Michigan, and now we're adding a Funk Fest. And then, um, but we've, you know, made the focus and the approach to be a, like, diverse community gathering. So we have multiple stages. People kind of have to walk around. You can't plop down and be in one spot, but that's intentional. So we do it so that people can walk around, meet old friends, make new friends, and see what's going on here, see the buildings, see the yeah. shops and whatnot, and kind of get the whole community really popping. Well, and you know, that's one of the things that I enjoyed <clears throat> watching last year. I'm, I'm a people watcher, and uh, it was fun to watch when one would end up here at the corner of Chavez and, uh, and Turner, Turner and, and as soon as one would end, and he'd run down the hill to the go down stage. to the river stage, and you know, they, some of them came, down, came up here and they went down to the, the other stage down by Meat Barbecue, and uh, it was like a steady flow all afternoon and evening. Right, and then we have you know, pretty much nonstop programming inside Urban Beat as well. Yes. And this year we have a great art show at Micah Gallery. So we're featuring 10 artists, all founding artists of Old Town. They were great artists at the time. Because, you know, Old Town was really kind of reborn through the arts. A handful mm-hmm. of artists. We had some art galleries and shops and whatnot. And these artists have all passed away, but there are 10 artists, you know, Barbara Morris, Dave Kleiss, John Demansky, Sam Mills, and many others. And uh, 
it's it's an incredible show. So when people come to see to Blues Fest, they really got to stop in the gallery, which also serves as our volunteer headquarters. Absolutely, yeah, definitely, definitely worthy of your time. And and something that uh, is relatively new. This is now a social district, oh, uh, so yeah. you can carry yeah. around your adult beverage if you want. Right. If you if you you know go into somewhere like Urban Beat and get a beverage in, in a properly marked plastic cup. Yes. It has to say social district and, uh, and have the bar's name on it. Then you can walk around all over Old Town and uh, no problem. Which is absolutely cool. I mean, because that's something that, that I'm even not used to. But that uh, that's only been going on, what, the last year, year and a half? Is that right? I think a couple of years now. They, yeah. they during, It happened during COVID. And then I think last year they made it permanent as, uh, as a policy. So, yeah, it's, it's been great. Terry, I, I love the, um, the requirement that you put on all of the bands um, that they must bring one completely new song to the stage for their performance. Now, how cool is that, and how did this tradition start? Uh, well, so I come from an improv tra tradition, mm -hmm. personally, but um, early on, I just decided from almost, wasn't the first festival, but one of the early festivals, we said, let's make the, let's make ourselves unique and ask that each band do something for the first time for an audience. So whether it's an original song of theirs or an original arrangement, something unique that they've never performed before a live audience. So if you come and we have 13 bands, you're guaranteed to, and you come to the whole festival, 15 bands, whatever we got, 20, I don't know anymore. <laughs> uh, if you come, you're going to hear that many new pieces. You'll be the first to hear yeah. all of these, not just one song by one band, but all the bands. That's, that's, I think that's what um, is another unique thing about, you know, Michigan Blues Fest. And, and to me, I think that it's kind of cool because I always look for that now when I go to hear somebody do their set and they'll, they'll purposely say, hey, by the way, this is the song that Terry made sure that was you know, original mm -hmm. and we're to, presenting it to you for the first time. And the crowd really responds to that. They enjoy it, don't yeah, they? It's good. It's nice to be the first to hear something that somebody does. You know. <laughs> now, you've got two main stages, as we said, uh, one down near the river and then one at the corner of Turner and Chavez. And then you've got the smaller one down by Meat Barbecue. What kind of acts do you generally see at the smaller stage? So we, we uh, partner with the uh, School of Rock. Mm -hmm. So they bring their uh, adult band and youth band to perform there and then we have other acts that we also program later on so yeah that's you know so a lot of that's like and it's in the bender area as well near the yeah. bender so it's just got activity happening there and you'll hear some people are just starting out which is fun and i i don't think i've ever seen the um the adult band yet i've seen the younger band uh play on a, a couple of occasions i actually got to see them the first time uh in mason during the sun-dried festival and then I got to see them here like uh, two weeks later. Right. And they change up, too. I mean, yeah, as they, they, they have different students, so each year yep. things are different. And I'm, I'm sure between jazz and blues, that's the same thing. So. Yep. Now, let's talk about numbers for a minute. What does it cost to get into the Michigan Blues Fest? It's a steal, Okay. first of all. Sure. So we have two levels of tickets. We have general admission and premier seating. Okay. Premier seating gets you up close, up front front white seats at uh, the two stages, the, the south stage and the uh, river stage. It's $25, covers both nights. Beautiful. And otherwise it's $15 for both nights, so that's $7.50 a night, which is about, what, $2 a band or something? I mean, think what you pay a cover for anybody right, else. Right, So, or you might go here, uh, go to a concert and pay $75 or $100 for a concert, so it is it is a steal. And it's necessary, I mean, we can't, it costs a lot to produce these festivals. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we used to, uh, Micah used to be able to, you know, generate a lot through beverage sales, but things have changed and we can't really do that anymore. So uh, we rely on sponsors, ticket sales and grants. And, you know, our costs have gone up every year and our income has not. So we really rely on that. So it's, look at it as a sponsorship donation and you're, you're donating 15 bucks or $25. And sure. it's making a big difference to make this happen. So we can all, everybody in the community can enjoy it. Well, you know, you, you hit on a key point that things have changed a lot. I mean, I know that COVID put a real dent in everything uh, back in 2020 and uh, 2021. And it seemed like last year, things were really starting to pop. 
and people were coming out more. Now in 21, in, in, in 21, of course, you had the Root Doctor Band uh, closing out their last time at Blues Fest, and it was packed out for that. Um, but last year, I really noticed an uptick in attendance. It did change last year, and this year at Jazz Fest, which just occurred, we mm -hmm. noticed a big change even from last year. So I'm expecting a pretty good crowd this year. You know, weather cooperating, sure. schools back. You know, more people tend to uh, come out to the festivals in the fall. And Blues Fest is our really has been our best attended festival. So I'm anticipating it being the same. And I'm I'm kind of excited to see the guys that play chess down here. Yep, they sit up at a table the Lance, every year. I think they're called the Lansing Knights. Yeah, they always come out to the festivals and they're playing chess. Uh, it's a great crowd that we've got that comes to the festivals. That's I, that's what I like about doing these things. Is we bring everybody out in the community. People get to make some new friends. Sure, <clears throat> it's fun. It's safe. It's interesting. So you've got uh, lots of great music. You've got some pretty cool vendors. We're going to talk about in a minute. What kind of food can a festgoer find here? Well, there are different restaurants in Old Town you know, from meat to uh, Pablo's. Um, but I think Ozone has a food truck here. Um, I think there's a, a Mexican food truck as well. Uh, Urban Meat will have a variety of like, you know, burgers, brats, hot dogs, things like that. Um, as they always do right out here on the right, sidewalk, right, which right is right wonderful. The patio, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, I, don't know who, I, don't, I don't know all the vendors, unfortunately. Okay, no, so, that's, all, yeah. that's all right. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but, <laughs> but suffice it to say, there's going to be a little something for everybody. And uh, it seems like meat always sells out. And, you know, then you got to clean up and, and, and take care of their crowd because they run out of food. Yeah, there's that. Right. Uh, yep. So if I'm coming as an attendee to Blues Fest, um, should I bring my own chair? Do you have chairs on site? We've let, well, if you're buying a ticket, you should be able to have a chair unless it's general admission and we get, we you know, almost sell out. So it's really your call. Okay. Um, and then uh, parking, the city lot is open, but... Expect to have to walk a few blocks to park. We got a great neighborhood around here, and uh, as we get bigger, you have to walk further or take an Uber or something like that. Yeah. Which is, you know, if you're gonna have some beverages, you might want to do that anyways. So, yeah, it's uh, we're looking for. Oh, and what's different this year is we we have a four-day festival. We're kicking off Wednesday night. Band to be announced. Okay. Uh, but the kickoff is now Wednesday night, not Thursday. We do a, we're going to do a benefit on concert Thursday night. Most of those happen at Urban Beat. And then outdoor stages, four stages interactive on Friday night and Saturday now, can you, afternoon. Can Saturday you talk night. about the benefit that you're doing on Thursday? Any, any tip of the hand who that might be? What are you raising the money for? Well, I know we have the band. I just don't remember. I didn't bring the schedule with okay. me. I don't remember <laughs> who's playing when. Uh, but it, that one goes to uh, MICA, to the Michigan Institute for Contemporary Art, and our, we, we call the Kids Beat Program. So we okay. do programming for kids. Cool. Uh, Jazz Fest is to the Lawrence Low Leathers Foundation. Uh, this one we do for Kids Beat. And, uh, and actually, uh, as part of the programming, like on Saturday, the Children's Ballet Theater does some programming. There are kids out there dancing. Um, and they do also do a program at MICA Gallery once at least once a month on Sundays. Uh, and then we have the instrument petting zoo there. So we have a bunch of instruments out and kids could get up and actually touch them and play them. That's and really cool. Somebody's yeah. there to show them like how to do that. We have, I don't know if it's happening this year, but in the past we've done like a harmonica workshop. I think Andy Wilson did it one year and I don't remember who else, but, uh, and we gave away, you know, little plastic harmonicas to kids, but they could come up and learn how to play a little bit. So we try to get people involved in the arts, engaged in the arts and, and it's and it sounds like something for for people of all ages. It's not just for oh, yeah. for the kids, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, pretending that I've never been to the Michigan Blues Fest, talk about the vendors that you have on hand each year. Um, do you offer like Blues Fest tees, hats? Yeah, we posters? have we, we have all that. We're in fact, I think this year we're adding a hat. So we've had, always had T-shirts. Uh, Denny Preston, uh, this year's artwork, and it's just phenomenal. Yes, it's it is. He's got that half moon playing the harmonica and guitar. He's, he's just... Is, he, it, is it not ever eye-popping to see his work? He's, he's just a phenomenal artist. <laughs> and musician. He's a great musician, <laughs> Yes, too. he is. Um, but, yeah, we'll have Blues Fest t-shirts. We'll have Blues Fest hats, caps. I think those are the two things that we'll be selling. And when you come in, you know, to get your ticket or to register or whatever, come in, 
you can get your beverage and uh, food tickets there, but also we have a little booth, and I think t-shirt uh, posters will be sold there as well. And Danny, I think Danny's going to be one day, I don't know which day it is, he'll probably be in City Falls, he'll be there signing posters too, so if you want to get a, you know, a poster with his signature on And I'm going to tell you, if you've never met Dennis Preston and you've never seen his work, you need to check it out. I mean, the man, um, his, his new, um, the, the napkins, what was that book? It just it just left my head. Doodle, it's it's his doodles on napkins. I it's oh, not yeah. the title of it, but um, you know, he's he's been around for a long time. And oh, yeah. I always look forward to seeing his posters every year to see what yeah. he's gonna do new. Yeah, know? he's one of the nicest guys I know, and he's just fun and creative. Yes. Uh, he can do things like he, he has that hand to eye coordination that nobody else that I've ever met has. I mean yeah. he can so quickly draw your portrait or a caricature change it up he could convert you into me and somebody else if you want to say you know get to change that danny and he'll do it and you go how did you do that you know without an eraser well while i'm here you, know, you talked about uh, micah and a couple of the other uh, uh businesses in this area what else can i see while i'm in Lo in old town i mean you got bad annie's you know Right. Get the popcorn we, we place. have a lot of cool shops. You know, yeah. there, there are a lot of boutiques. There's uh, October Moon. Uh, there's a Spin Bicycle. Uh, obviously, like I said, Micah Gallery. We have a you know a piercing place called Flesh. I assume they'll be. Open. I don't know who's all open during the sure. festival. Uh, Catalyst, of course. Uh, they have their cool little shop. Uh, Ozone's up the street. There's a little microbrewery and tap room up there. That's North on Turner. Uh, you got Blue Owl across the Blue, street. Blue Owl Coffee, yeah, yep. great little coffee shop here. Um, and, of course, Cravings. you got to go to Cravings and get some popcorn. Oh, man. Every and then, year. <laughs> and further up the street, you know, further up Turner, there's Cosmos and um, Zubies as a bar. And there's some shops down, uh, like Mother and Earth is a, you know, family kids shop uh, on Chavez right near uh, Washington Chavez. So you got a lot of, there's a and, lot of and, things and, and, to do. And there's, and there, yeah, and there's always new th people moving in here, so it keeps changing. I think Glow just opened up. And there's, and, isn't there another art gallery that opened not too long ago around the corner? There's one, Chavez? Uh, there's one there, there's this one that moved north. Uh, okay. Da David, Shush, um, David Such opened a space, I don't know if it'll be open that day, but he has a sure. space up Turner Ways. But yeah, if you come, you're going to be able to see some, well, the other thing is you see this great architecture because Old Town has the highest concentration of historic commercial buildings in the city of Lansing. So yeah. this is kind of where the city started. There was a mill along the river, and these buildings have great history. The building you know, that I have, Message Makers, was built in 1868. Wow. We're, we're sitting now on Urban Beat, which was in the 1870 or something, like, you know, in that, that period. So, you know, pretty old building. Now, now Urban, Urban Beat was kind of a rough and tumble place back it in the day, been wasn't many it? Things. It had been a cleaner one time. It was the month before it closed, it was the Mustang bar. So they had a bit of a reputation. Yeah. Uh, and then it was closed for 20, 15, 20 years. And then I acquired it, converted it, had to rebuild the whole front facade and put a back wall on it. Wow. Uh, there's an apartment above that somebody lives in and then Message Maker Studios above the other side of Urban Beat. And I just did, you know, major renovations to convert it into, you know, what we think is Lansing's premier listening room with a, you know, a great venue for hearing music in a kind of an intimate setting. Um, good sound system, good lighting system. Yep. Uh, we treat the bands well. We have a green room for the bands. And uh, almost every night of the week, you know, we've got some music happening in the patio or inside. And, and I have to tell you, I love what you have inside here because I love the old brick, uh, the old brick and mortar, you know, from back in the day. And, you know, there's just, there's so many elements about the building that speak to the history that it's fun to walk in here and just look around and then and then when you attend as you said come in here for uh you know for a music event which i've been here for several and um it's it's fun it's it's uh it's a friendly intimate environment yeah. we've got good sight lines the acoustics are good we've invested yes. a lot in the sound system and really in the lighting system so we try to make it work well for the bands and make them front and center not stuck in a corner um, but again if you come to old town for the festivals you can see lots of buildings that are cool and get a sense of history and the other thing is the scale here is interesting you know like we have wide sidewalks a mm -hmm. park at the corner so it's kind of like a town square area and you can hang out 
in that. And also the acoustics are pretty good for the for, for the stages and the music. And then of course you've got some uh, you've got some artwork on the side of the side of the buildings over here. Yep, there's some great artwork, which is murals. Really yeah. neat to look at the murals that uh, that some of the artists have done. Um, it's a lot of fun. So make plans. If you if you don't have plans already, make plans to come out to the Michigan Blues Fest. Once again, the dates for this, it's going to, the kickoff is on the 13th, yes? Correct, Wednesday the 13th. And then running through Saturday the 16th. Correct. And uh, it's going to be a great time, man. Lots of, lots of good music. Go ahead. And uh, Friday and Saturday nights, we have an afterglow at Urban Beat. So, you know, we have bands playing those nights, but then other musicians will come up and jam with them. So that goes pretty late. You probably go to 1, 1.30. So the last thing that I when you're through with everything else, come in and uh, it's limited seating. You know, we can only get so many people sure. in here, but it sometimes it's the best part of the festival, you know, when you mix these musicians up and they get going and they're having fun. Terry, Terry, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Um, if you get a chance, you need to come out and check out Michigan Blues Fest and uh, Old Town Lansing. Check it out. It's going to be a good time. And uh, as I said, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, my guest has been Terry Terry, the owner of Urban Beat and Message Makers and Micah. Uh, he's, got his, he's got his hands in a lot of stuff in Old Town here. But the revitalization that has taken place in Old Town is really something to behold. So we definitely look forward to, uh, to coming down here and checking out once again, Blues Fest, the 13th through the 16th of September. That's going to wrap it up for this edition. We look forward to seeing you on the next edition of Time Signatures with Jim Irvin. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Now I'm trying, trying, baby, Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive. This is LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Mason Promise Scholarship. The Mason Promise Scholarship is a community organization of volunteers that guarantees funding for two years of Lansing Community College education to selected Mason public school students. For more information on the Mason Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu slash hope. Hi, I'm Melissa Kaplan, and I host a show called Galaxy Forum on LCC Connect. It's all about the creativity in our classrooms and on campus here at LCC and the connections we have with the community. You can catch Galaxy Forum here on LCC Connect or listen anytime at lccconnect.org. Domestic violence should be a concern for everyone because in this country, one in three women and one in four men will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. End Violent Encounters, also known as EVE, is a nonprofit organization that provides supportive services to victims. Some of the services available include a 24-hour crisis line, shelter, counseling, and the Ingham County Personal Protection Order Office. All of these services are free of charge, client-centered, and confidential. Eve receives thousands of calls and gives shelter to hundreds of clients per year. Ending domestic violence is a community effort, and to aid in that effort, Eve hosts healthy relationship workshops in and around the greater Lansing area. If you or someone you know of are in need of help, or you would like more information, please call Eve's hotline at 517-372-5572. Again, that number is 517-372-5572. By utilizing interactive activities, the Youth Summer Camp at LCC gives kids in grades 2 through 12 the chance to explore science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. Scholarship opportunities are available. Details can be found at lcc.edu slash serious fun. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Melissa Ford Luckin. Rosalie Petrowski. Susan, Seraph, and Jess. Editors for the Washington Square Review.
Washington Square On Air showcases the poetry and fiction of the latest edition of LCC's literary journal, The Washington Square Review, read by the poets, authors, and editors themselves. Expect the unexpected as our contributors express experience and fantasy with humor, imagination, poetic license, irony, and passion. If you love language at its most original, please join us in our audio town square to celebrate a community of writers spanning from around the world to Lansing. Hey there, this is Melissa Ford Luckin. I'm here with Nomi Hawthorne, who is a graduating creative writing student. She'll be getting her AA in creative writing here at Lansing Community College. And I invited her here just to give us an overview of the program and her place in it. So Nomi, when you think about our creative writing program here at LCC, what's that experience like for you? And how did you get here? I really loved the um, creative writing program here at LCC. I didn't originally come to do the creative writing program. Um, I decided that I was going to come and do paraprofessional. And then I realized that there was a creative writing program. And I've been a creative writer since, well, at least the fourth grade when I made my first book for a young authors program. And I decided that I just really wanted to follow my dream of creative writing. And so that's why that's how I ended up here. What was the first class you took here that was a creative writing class? The creative writing one class. And what was that like? Oh, I loved that class. I was able to learn so much. And that was really when I started writing poetry again. And I didn't really know that I could write poetry until that point. I I had written poetry um, in high school, but nothing as good or as powerful as what I had written in the creative writing one class. I'm really interested in what you said about how you came for paraprofessional and then you found out that there were creative writing classes here. It made me wonder, did you ever think about being a writer? I know you you said that you wrote a a book, but did you ever think about that was going to be your thing? I've always wanted to be a writer. Um, I lived in California for a while and I tried to take a creative writing class at UCLA and it ended up getting canceled for very weird reasons. And so um, I've always known I've wanted to be a creative writer. Um, I've always known I wanted to be an author. I just didn't really think I could do it. And this program has shown me that I can. Talk a little bit more about the creative writing one class. What were the assignments like? What were the other students like? Well, it was an online class, so I didn't really um, interact too much with the other students. Um, But it was, and it was a short one because I took it over the summer. So it was a very quick class and it helped to show us different ways to approach writing. She would give us examples of kind of like what she was looking for and she would tell us to emulate not copy but kind of emulate what um, the other authors had done the other poets had done and so some one of my favorite poems I wrote from an assignment about emulating poem on trees Um, the trees that saw this person's life over time. And I wrote a poem that was the waters that saw my spouses in my relationship. And it actually won third place in the LCC land um, scholarship. That's beautiful. When did you take the Creative Writing One class? Summer of 2022. And then after the Creative Writing One, what was the next class that you took? The next class I took was the Writing the Novel class which I very much enjoyed. And I'm not just saying that because you were the teacher. (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about what that experience was like, because it sounds like with the Creative Writing One, you were given some fairly specific assignments and asked to to really react to something that someone else had written, which is a very common way for all writers to learn. How was that different in the novel writing class? The novel writing class, uh, you gave us a lot more freedom, a lot more ability to just do what we wanted to do. 
we had to come up with a synopsis in the first, second, and third chapters. We had these really amazing writing groups where we would workshop with each other. And I got really close with a couple of the the other students when we were doing that. I was very, very nervous about that class because it was an on-campus class and I'm not exactly a spring chicken. So (laughs) Um, I'm an older student. I came back after 20 years off from um, going to school and decided to complete my degree. And so it was, I was very anxious about the, um, about interacting with with students who weren't my same age, but it was actually really eye-opening and um, very fun. Okay, talk more about that. Talk a little bit about what made it fun. It was really fun to get to read other people's work and help them to shape who they are as a writer. It was really fun to have other people help me kind of shape who I am as a writer we 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 laughed a lot in that class. <laughs> what made it feel different when you compare it to a regular academic class? I am not sure because I've not done any like real in-school academic classes. All of my academic classes have been online. Um, but it did it made it feel more I was more comfortable in the writing. Um, in the writing section than I am like in a math class or a science class. So I want to take a little detour. You said that you were a non-traditional student, that you're older and that you came back to school. What brought you back to school? My son is autistic and um, he has asked me to come and work at his school. So I decided to come back to school so that I could get my 60 credits to become a paraprofessional. When I sat down with advising, I found out that I could actually get 90 credits by the end of this summer. And so then I could actually be a substitute teacher and the schools need substitutes just as much as they need paraprofessionals. So that's what I'm going to do. That's awesome. It sounds like advising really steered you in the right direction. Yes. So it's a win-win for you. Yeah. You get to achieve your goal and another goal. Yes. Two goals. Very cool. So let's talk a little bit more about how you got past the anxiety in the writing workshops. There was another student in the class who was a little bit older like me, not quite as old as me, but a little bit older like me. And we became friends and it was very, it was fun. It made me more relaxed to, to know that I wasn't being judged for being who I am. That's very cool. What other surprises took place in the classroom? I was really surprised at just how open and accepting and encouraging everybody was, not just the professors, but also the other students. Um, It's been a really rewarding experience to get to know some people and be able to have possibly lifelong friendships after this. Yep. Well, since you revealed that I teach the novel writing class, I just would like to add that there are many different genres represented within a workshop group. You might have somebody who's writing fantasy and then someone who's writing a mystery, science fiction, horror, romance, literary, a mix up of all those things. Do you think that that was part of what made it more fun? Yeah, I think it was. The the person I had my workshop group with was writing a more of a mystery kind of darker fantasy and I write very uh upbeat cheerful everybody ends up happy in the end kind of stories (laughs) so it was really interesting to be able to be exposed to other types of writing okay I'd like to read a little piece from your artist statement which is basically your writing philosophy and it expresses your purpose for why you write. And then I'll ask you, how does that show up in your work? I write to process my trauma because while in abuse, I felt completely alone. I want to help others feel seen. I want them to know they're not alone and that they can learn how to survive or remove themselves from their situation. I also want to show readers that it is possible to thrive after the abuse. So that shows up in my work 
in multiple ways. I have written in our class, the Creative Writing 2 class, I wrote a story, a short story about a girl who is kidnapped and ends up um, dissociating, which is a very difficult thing to go through. And I want other people to know what it's like, what it feels like, so that they know, oh my goodness, this thing is happening to me. Maybe this is this is how I can get through it myself. I have also written one full novel and one partial novel. Um, the one that I wrote for the novel writing class, or I'm writing for the novel writing class, is called Fathom's Cove, and it's about a girl who is it's in post-apocalyptic world, and she's living on the floor of Lake Superior in a big domed city and her dad is kidnapped and taken to the surface which she knows to be incredibly dangerous and she has to figure out how to not only save him but also her community and then I published I self-published a book in 2020 called Shattered And it is about a girl who has a narcissistic mother who is pushing her own beliefs and um, goals on her daughter. And because of those, because of that treatment, she ends up with the wrong man and she ends up pregnant and she has to figure out for herself over the course of the book what she wants her future to hold and who she's really going to be. You and I were talking before we officially started recording, and I was saying that one of the things that I really appreciate about your work is that it is so human, and it connects with many people who I believe would also want to be writers, but may think that, oh, you know, writing isn't about real life, and that your, so your stories reveal that stories really do come from real life. And that writers are real people. They're not special anointed people that, you know, come from a special walk of life. Talk a little bit about how your family connects with your writing. My family, I did not have the best family life growing up. My dad is, has very narcissistic tendencies. um, And I was parentified and covert, uh, covertly abused for the majority of my childhood and into my adulthood. I take a lot of the experiences I had with my family and I use them as ways to help other people come up with ways that they themselves can figure out how to get out of their abuse or um, how to survive it. Right. Very much like what you wrote in your statement. Yeah. You don't want them to think that they're alone. And if I was guessing, I would also say that you don't want them to think that there's you know, something wrong with them and that they're not part of us. They yeah. are part of us. Yeah. And it is completely human to have the experiences that we have had. Right. And your current family, the people that you fill your life with now. They are the most supportive people ever. Talk a little bit about how they fit in with your writing now. Well, my spouse and I are part of the LGBTQ community. My spouse is trans and I am asexual. So I am looking at bringing more attention to the disenfranchisement that we um, as a community go through. That's wonderful. Talk a little bit about the community and maybe how your writing might fit in there. A lot of the people who are part of the community who we are um, friends with feel very alone um, in what they're going through, in what they're seeing. Um, There's a lot of people who, like us, have lost their families because of who we are. And um, I am just trying to make sure that everybody knows that you can find you can find family. You can you can make a chosen family and it will be even better than the family that you were born with. Intentionally building your world with people that love and cherish you and support you. Exactly. That's awesome. 
when you think about where you're going to go next, what does that look like in your imagination? Well, in the fall, I'm going to start substitute teaching, which I'm really excited about. But I am also starting a blog to um, bring some attention to the things that I've gone through to talk about um, the autism in my family, ADHD, our LGBTQ issues like asexuality and transitioning from male to female. When you think about the blog, that sounds like that's going to be very personal and the fiction is also personal. How does the creative energy look different and how does it look similar? When you think about writing on the blog, you're telling your own story, but when you're thinking about writing fiction, you're telling someone else's story. For me, a lot of my characters are, they have my, the things that I've gone through. So they don't feel entirely not me, but it is very different to write a personal essay about yourself and your experiences than to write a creative fiction story about a person who may or may not be you <laughs> in um, in the same kinds of situations. I uh, have a blog post that I have ready, and it is basically about how I became who I am today. And it was one of the, I feel like it is one of the most powerful pieces I've ever written. Do you feel that readers of your fiction would understand the fiction better if they read the blog? Yes, I think they would. And vice versa. So people that read, okay, so they really are intended to inform each other. Yes. And the blog is especially a wonderful way to demonstrate that writing has power and that everyone who has a keyboard or a pen has that power in them to express themselves. And everybody has a story that, that should be heard. That's so true. When you think about your future beyond this blog and the things that you're working on now, what do you think that would look like? I would love to get an agent and a publisher and really start to reach out to the world with my stories. And if you could imagine any book cover for a future book, what would it look like? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) What color would it be? Um, Blue or orange. (laughs) All right. And how many, would there be people or objects? What would be on the cover? Well, I can explain to you what my one book cover did look like. Um, I took this picture, a long exposure picture inside of an amusement ride. And it's just like these blue kind of squiggles across the, the page. And it is... It's kind of fascinating because the story is called Shattered and it looks like the uh, the picture is shattered because of the way that I took it. Oh, so kind of artistic, creative, very artistic, creative. That's cool. All right. I want to take a little side trip and talk a little bit about the substitute teaching. What do you think that's going to look like? I don't know. I'm I'm really nervous about it, Um, but I do know that I have a lot of friends at my son's school who are teachers, and I have the support of the staff there to help me understand and learn. And they have given me the right places to go to get additional education for uh, being able to substitute teach. And it'll be really nice for my son to have me in the, the school on a regular basis so that if he does need something, he knows he has a safe place to go. What grade students will you be working with? I would love to work with all grade students, but probably elementary for now. Okay. Does that mean you'll go out on the playground where you have recess duty? Probably. All right. Sounds good. If there is someone listening and they're thinking about taking creative writing classes here at LCC, what would you want them to know? Do it. (laughs) Just do it. (laughs) Take the, the first step. Take that really, it it feels like it's a giant leap, but honestly, it is just a tiny step to take to be able to really come into yourself and be who you want to be. That's awesome. So if people want to stay in touch with you, how can they do that? Where can can they find you online? I have a website that is nomihawthorne.com. And I will be using that as my blog, and I have samples of work um, up there right now. Okay, so if people want to 
read the blog post that you were talking about earlier, they can find that on your website. Yep. Okay. We'll be sure to put that in the show notes. Thank you. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much. You have been a godsend in the, the classes. It's been really great learning from you. Thank you for listening to our talented poets and authors. Until next time, this has been Washington Square On Air. Where we showcase selections from Lansing Community College's literary journal, The Washington Square Review. A publication featuring writers from the Great Lakes State, across the nation, and around the world. To find out more about the Washington Square Review, visit lcc.edu slash WSR. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, Mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's dual enrollment program offers the opportunity for qualified high school students to earn college credit while working towards their high school diploma. Dual enrollment lets students receive educational advancement in areas where the student's interest is displayed, especially in courses and academic areas not available in the student's high school. To find out more information about dual enrollment, visit lcc.edu. Thank you for listening to LCC Connect. I'm Paul Schwartz, and I host a show called The Safety Plan. The Safety Plan is about the latest cyber scams and how to avoid them. You can catch The Safety Plan here on LCC Connect or listen anytime at lccconnect.org. So, how are the kids? Well, Emily made the honor roll. Oh, good for her. Yeah, we're really proud of her. Tyler, on the other hand, though. What's going on? He's been moody lately, just feeling down and not like himself. Oh, we've been there. Nick was struggling last spring. He was so anxious and stressed. Really? What helped? Well, he joined the soccer team. And ever since, he's been a lot happier. He has more energy, he's less stressed, and he's definitely in a better mood at home. It's made a huge difference. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad he's getting out of the house, he's getting some exercise, and he's off his phone for once. It's been good for his mental health. Sounds like it's been good for your mental health, too. Participating in Michigan high school sports improves students' physical and mental health. Encourage your son or daughter to get involved. This message presented by the MHSAA and the Michigan Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. The Adult Enrichment Program at LCC offers classes in watercolor, creative welding, motorcycle safety, photography, and more. All classes are non-credit. Information about the Adult Enrichment Program is available at lcc.edu slash keeplearning. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to Community Combos, a podcast and radio program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in Lansing and around mid-Michigan. It's Dedalian once again back on the combo and with me in the studio today is Lynn Bartley and Lynn is the coordinator of the Peace Quest planning team as well as the past president of the Greater Lansing United Nations Association. It's quite a lot of stuff there. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Lynn. Thank you, Dedalian. I am so glad you could come in and join me. I I don't even remember where I came across this, but I heard about the Peace Quest Lansing and everything you guys do. And there was a whole bunch of events. And I was like, well, okay, we definitely got to bring Lynn in to talk about this. So first of all, I don't know that everybody's familiar with Peace Quest. And uh, could you elaborate and kind of explain what Peace Quest is and what it is here in Lansing? Sure. Peace Quest Greater Lansing is a community-wide month-long celebration of the United Nations International Day of Peace, which is on September 21st. 
And about eight years ago, the Greater Lansing United Nations Association, which since 1959 celebrated International Day of Peace, reached out to community organizations to see if they wanted to take part in the celebration of International Day of Peace. And it has grown since that time. Mm -hmm. It went to a half-day celebration and extended into a full month of events. A full month of September. Thank you. So you are telling me then that, I mean, obviously we've got one here in Lansing. So would we also see one, say, in Cincinnati and New York and... Uh, Do we know there that? There may be, but I know that the International Day of Peace is celebrated all over the world. Okay. But not Peace Quest. That's a greater Lansing invention. Very good. And how long ago did it start again? I didn't catch that. 2015. 2015. So you guys have been doing this for quite a while. Uh, why exactly did you decide to be a part of this and do this? You know, we want to make the furthering of peace Uh, something that is in everyone's mind. Mm -hmm. What we can each do as individuals, as organizations, is, you know, any community, what we can do to further peace in our local level and all the way through the rest of the world. So if somebody wanted to get involved, what would they do? There are two websites that would be excellent starts. One would be gluna.org, that's G-L-U-N-A.org, for Greater Lansing United Nations Association, which coordinates PeaceQuest. And then there's a separate website, PeaceQuestGreaterLansing.org. Okay, and am I understanding it correctly that it is connected directly to the United Nations? That's what I'm understanding? Yes, the United Nations Association is uh, a group of citizens that support the work of the United Nations, and ours is one chapter of about 200 in the United States. But there are also UNAs, United Nations Association, all over the world. And the goals and objectives of what you're doing, that seems to be several from what I can tell. Yes, yes. We want to get all kinds of people, all ages, diverse groups of people involved in having conversations and enjoying activities related to peace. And we all know that the work of furthering peace is not just in one month, but all year long. And I know September is the big month for you. Is there things that you do in the off months then beyond that or... Yes. Uh, actually, on our Peace Quest site, we do have other events that uh, are available throughout the year, but also Gluna, Greater Lansing United Nations, has events all year round. Okay. And we invite everyone to take part. Uh, you don't need to be a member, but people can become a member if they want to support our, our efforts in supporting the work of the UN. Well, like I said, September is like just getting started here and there is a lot of stuff on your calendar. What are the things that you would want to tell people about to say, hey, make sure if you miss nothing else, come join us for this. Okay, thank you. Well, I love opportunities for families to get involved in this uh, and for children to start thinking about peace. So I will mention Peace Pole Pursuit, which is uh, all of September. And it can be lots of fun for the family. There is a K-12 art challenge. Wait, you got to explain that Peace Pole Pursuit to me. No, you're fine. Yeah, explain it to me. Because I was like, what is this? What exactly is this all about? It's a good name, right? It is. It's kind of fun. (laughs) Okay, Peace Pole Pursuit is uh, an opportunity to find over 25 Peace Poles in the Lansing area. I think we're up to about 30. Peace Poles are... Uh, Many of them will say, may peace prevail on earth. But then on other sides of the poles, it says that same sentence in various languages. Oh, wow. Very cool. And peace poles can be designed in all kinds of ways. But we include a map and people can take pictures of themselves and post them. And we also give prizes. Okay. Now, are those things hanging around all year long or do you put them up just purposely at this time of the year? Oh, these are peace poles that individuals and organizations have what we call planted Uh over the years. And we just have them on a map. 
Oh, okay. All right. Very good. Very good. <laughs> now that now I understand the peace pole concept. Yes. That's very cool. Potter Park has one as you walk up the entranceway. All right. You got one down. <laughs> <laughs> now you got what, 24? I have one in my yard. <laughs> oh, one in your yard. <laughs> All right. Very good. Thanks, Lynn. And what else you got going on? Coming oh, up well, we have, besides fun things for the family, we do have some what I think are going to be amazing presentations that will be really give you food for thought. One Mm. is a national um, renowned author, David Orr, who will be coming to MSU for this PeaceQuest month to speak on democracy in hotter times. Okay. Um, What we realize is that when people's needs are met, and in this case, climate, when those who are affected by the climate crisis can have some security, mm-hmm. greater peace in this world will come. That makes sense. Um, the Sustainable Development Goals, which are um, were developed by the UN, also called the Global Goals, include things like taking care of our climate and ending poverty and hunger, etc. So we kind of design and accept any any events that are related to the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, so Democracy in Hotter Times is September 14th. Okay. Uh, we have a 100-year-old man, a wonderful man named uh, Bill Root, who was a is a World War II war veteran. Okay. But he was also a U.S. State Department d- diplomat, and he will be talking to us on the 27th of September. Awesome to hear him at that age, too. Yes. That is phenomenal. Yes. Great. Uh, we have MSU Theater Department who that is presenting a premiere play called I Will Never Be Okay, and that is one student's response to the uh, terrible shooting on MSU campus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's about 40-minute play that will be performed by MSU students. It's on the MSU campus, uh, two performances, all for free. By okay. the way, most of the Peace Quest events are absolutely free. Oh, wow. Very yes. cool. What else we got? We have Warrior Lawyers, which is a documentary that was made in Michigan, and the producer will be there. Uh, this is going to be on September 24th as well, but it's uh, judicial and social issues that shape Native American nations and show how nations use traditional culture and values to face challenges and promote sacred justice. And this is not just for uh, the Native, but non-Native audience. Okay. Everyone is welcome. Uh, we have the, the Salam Festival at the Islamic Center. Okay. Uh, that's on September 30th. Culture, different cultures and foods will be available. Um, and I, everyone is welcome. Uh and I will mention that many of our houses of faith in the community are having messages on peace okay. during the month of September. Very good. These are all listed on the PeaceQuest website with lots of detail. And that's uh, PeaceQuestGreaterLansing.org. Correct. Okay. Was there anything else you wanted to hit on or are we good there? Oh, we have many other events. I mean, we have yoga for peace. We have a Chinese tea ceremony that brings harmony to your life. A lot of great stuff. Lots of great things. And again, if you want to get all the details, best way to do that is at their website. And that's peacequestgreaterlansing.org. I really appreciate you coming in and talking with me about this, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me, Dedalian. You've been listening to Community Combos, a program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in our community. To listen to this episode on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org or find us on your favorite podcast platform. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Community Combos, email us lcc-connect at lcc.edu. And thanks for joining the combo. This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org.
If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.